I'm Peter Coward, and you are listening to the Science Lives podcast. Today I'll be talking with Ohimai Unoje, Business Development Manager at a clinical diagnostics company. After earning a BS in biochemistry, Ohi went to graduate school but quickly discovered that academic science was not for him. Nevertheless, he stayed with his program and completed his PhD. He then took a job as an application scientist for a diagnostics company and more recently got into sales. We'll talk about his experience in grad school, how he got his first job, and the events that led to his current position. Ohi, welcome to the Science Lives podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Thanks, Peter. It's a pleasure to be here. As I mentioned in the intro, you work in business development for a diagnostics company. Can you begin by telling us about your job? Sure. Yeah. Uh, as a business development manager, my job is pretty much identify either individuals or organizations who have uh, interests or who have a similar interest with the goals that my company would like to accomplish. And I just go out there and try to make those interests meet. So if there's a company A that's doing something or something exciting that I think my organization would be interested in, I schedule a meeting, we talk about it, and we talk about where those mutual interests lie and where things moving forward. And we bring him, we kind of introduce him to the company, and I kind of manage that whole process to bring in those mutual interests to fruition. So I kind of, it's kind of like I'm a matchmaker between my business and other organizations out there. Just kind of fun. Yeah. What do you like about it? You know, I meet different people all the time. It's, I think it's been, I never imagined this is what um, life in the business development or the commercial side of the industry would be like, but it's been so fun to meet so many different people doing so many different exciting things. I mean. That has probably been that's probably been the highlight of this job. It's just you get to meet just a variety and different flavors of people doing different flavors of things, and I love that. You've been in this role for a relatively short period of time, I think. How are you adapting to it? I think I'm adapting well with any kind of transition. There's always going to be a a learning curve, and in the business development or sales side of the organization. There's a very steep learning curve, so I've, I have a lot to learn, and there's so much that I'm learning right now. Well, you know, I have a very good team. I have a very supportive manager and a very supportive leadership, leadership organization in the company that I work for. So I think that has really, really helped with the adaption process and with the onboarding and getting adjusted to it. And what skills are you relying on to uh, to do your job? Uh, it's, it's a mixture of some some of the soft skills that I had in grad school, or I picked up along the way, and some of the hard skills that I learned in grad school. So I have a PhD in biochemistry. I work in a clinical diagnostics and company, a medical device company, and so I still utilize the scientific skills that. I learned in grad school. Every day I'm on PubMed. Every day I'm still reading papers because if I find a professor or a doctor or somebody who interests us, it's to my benefit to know what research they're doing, what are their views on some scientific topics of interest. And so I use my research and skills, but also some of the soft skills that 
have learned, you know, things like um, what they call consultative selling and negotiation, just how to, how to handle high-level conversations. This may come off a little bit strange, but just being a good person is a soft skill that I have to learn. I, I've learned is very important in my job, how to approach strangers and introduce yourself without things being weird or being too forward. Networking has been an important part of that. I, those, those would probably be the main ones, you know, my scientific skills, relationship building, as well as networking. Those would probably be the top three. And then you know, there's other things like, you know, time management, schedule management, resource management, things like that. And what were you doing before you uh, transitioned in this particular role? I was a field application scientist within the same company. So my job pretty much consisted of supporting our sales team with their selling activities. So I, I consider the FAS as the scientific arm of the sales team. So when the sales guys go out and make their sales speech, often either I'm giving technical presentations or I'm answering scientifically technical questions for them. But also as a food application scientist, I also help some of our current customers for those that are having technical questions or technical issues, usually if there's any questions or any problem that needs to be solved, the first line of contact is the field application scientist. Did you enjoy that work also? Yeah, I did. The FAS job or the field application scientist job is a nice, is a nice mix of people and science, which if people that know me know that I'm a people person and I may not be too much of a of a scientist techie, but I do like mixing science with working with people and relationship building. And I think that is the one thing that I really, really enjoyed about being an FAS is it's that mix of science and people, which is something that I carried on into my current job. Yeah, and then how did that transition actually happen? Oh. <laughs> uh, I'll say that. I'll say this. If you had told me, what, maybe five years when I was in grad school that along the way I would be in sales, I would probably laugh at you. But um, after about a year as a field application scientist, our sales manager reached out to me and she, we had worked together. I would be in her FAS for a little while. And when she took the job as a director, she reached out to me and just let me know that she thinks that I would be a good fit for her sales team, for her business development team. And she'd like to know if I was interested in the position and give it some thought. And I figured, you know what? It's a new skill that I could learn. And it's sales. A lot of people tell me that sales have a lot of career opportunities. So I thought, why not? So I did not go looking for it. It came looking for me, and it's turned out to be a very good decision so far. So let's talk about your background then. Have you been interested in science for a long time? Yes. I mean, if I were to be very, very frank here, I, I, I remember being... So I'm an immigrant from Nigeria. Um, in Nigeria, what, I guess what Americans would consider middle school or elementary school, we call that primary school. And I remember being in primary school and learning about the 
what we called in Nigeria, we called it the layers of life. You know, life. Everything starts at the with an element, and then you have from the elements to the molecule, from the from the elements to the compound, compound to molecules, and all that molecules to macromolecules to 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 a cell, to a tissue, to organs, and to the organ system, to the human. And I remember being in my science class back then and, and just wondering, how do you start with an element that has no life whatsoever and somehow you end up with a human being that has life? And it always confounded me as a kid where life began in that equation. And I think as I got older, I, I always just had a fascination with science. I think that it was very, it's very exciting to be able to make an observation around you and to be able to query that observation practically. And so um, I, that curiosity got me, followed me through high school, through college. And I remember in college, I was on the medical route. But then I met a professor who, she pretty much flat out told me, I don't think that medical school is where you want to go. I think that you have the kind of curiosity that would not be satisfied in medical school. You should consider getting a PhD. And I took her words to heart, applied for a few PhD programs, got in. And I think that that love of science had always pursued me. But I, I will say... And the reason why this answer is not particularly straightforward is when I got to grad school, I realized that I still had a love for science, but I did not have the love of science as, as academia described it. I was completely turned away from academic science, but still the fundamentals of science, that curiosity and that pursuit of understanding I still had. And so to answer the question, you know, I've always been interested in science. I think that at the core of who I am, that that's who I'm always going to be. But along the way, I, I think that uh, it really helped refine that this, the curiosity, scientific curiosity that I had was beyond academic science for sure. So tell us about your graduate school experience. What happened there? I went through a similar experience that a lot of PhD graduate students go through. We come in with a love of science. And as when I started, you know, I remember going through my first year rotations. And after my first year, if I were to be very honest, I knew that my academic science, academia was not right for me. It just was not a good fit. My rotation, I had some very good rotations. There was one in particular that I really, really loved. But then there were some of them where it just, the best way I can describe it is I think they were asking a level of commitment that I just could not understand. And uh, I just remember leaving my first year rotations thinking, I don't know if I can do this at all. But somehow I made it through my first year 
And as I went through the next couple of years, I remember getting to my 30 and realizing, wow, yeah, this is definitely not for me. But I was already so far in, I could, I, I did not want to give up. I'd already committed three years and, and I knew I did not want to give up. So I, I had to find a way to power through and I think we'll talk about this later, but finding something outside of graduate school to keep me going was very important for me. And the more, the more I did that, the more I relied on that, the more I found it a lot easier to get through graduate school. Not that it was, not that it was easy, but it was more manageable just because, you know, I had something else to rely on. But those six years in grad, those six years in graduate school, I just remember the, describing it as just a period of me looking at myself and asking myself, why am I even here? You know, I remember listening, listening to professors or giving presentations and thinking, you know, what's the point of all this? You know, not, not that science is not important, but it always felt in my mind that there was this, I was required to be this deep expert on this very little thing. And for, especially for my research anyways, there were parts in my research where I thought, I have no idea what the significance of this is. Why are we spending our time and taxpayer money figuring this out? And anyways, I just, I just felt, there were many times when I felt like that. And it was, it had a feeling of frustration and a little bit of despair along the way and a little bit of gloom and doom depression that as in if if I don't make it through this I don't know what I'm going to do but somehow I managed to work my way through that and make it to the finish line after I think six and a half years or six years something like that and that's that that's what happened to me in graduate school so I find that really remarkable that you stuck with that for six and a half years if you knew pretty early on that it didn't really resonate with you. And I'm curious, you mentioned that, you know, you had some kind of kind of strong negative emotions around there, difficult emotions, I should say. And I'm curious how you navigated through that and, and coped with that and who or what that you leaned on to to get you through those maybe five and a half or four and a half years after you were pretty sure that you weren't going to pursue at least an academic science career? Oh, I learned very early on that grad school was going to be really, really, was going to be very difficult. And I needed, I needed to find something else to help me carry on. If not, I, I could not make it. And there were two things in particular that really helped me. So for me personally, um, I am a Christian, and my spiritual faith is very was very is very important to me. I had just discovered my faith when I was graduating college and going on to grad school. And a part of the decision to go to I got my PhD at University of California Irvine, and a part of the decision to go through to go to UC Irvine was 
because the the church that I was a part of had just started a new chapter in Irvine, and I wanted to be a part of that church growth and that um, church development process. And in pursuing that, I ended up finding, you know, making a lot of very close friendships, meeting people that became like family to me. Um, I lived about an hour away from my, my parents, my home. So it was, it was incredible to have found people that took me in into their home and treated me like one of their own child and to have friends that treated me like a brother and sister. I, I still remember to these days, um, I was a part of a college adult group there. And there were often times when my friends would go out in the evening after our college group service or our young adult group service, and they would invite me. And my response would be, I'm sorry, I can't go. It's 8.30 p.m. I have cells growing that I need to go take care of, or I have a PCR experiment that I need to go run a gel for. And I still remember, I think there was one event where the PCR or the gel did not work out well, and I was just feeling really bummed. And I told one of my friends, and about 30 minutes later, I get a knock on the window. And here's my friend Abner with a big burrito and a note on it that says, you know, hey, I know that sucks, but here, just in case you didn't get to have dinner. And those kind of things, there were many times where those friends and those what I call social families that I had really came alongside me and really helped give me the motivation to move forward. And so I think that that is, that is one thing that I really heavily relied on. And the second thing was in my third year in grad school, I got involved with some of the professional development programs at UC Irvine. One of them ended up being an NIH funded program called the UCI, uh, the GPS Biomed program at UCI, which was a professional development program for PhD and postdocs to help them learn learn and gain skills about either careers both inside and outside of academia, but different from the traditional PhD postdoc professor route. And during that time, you know, when I realized that I was not going the academic professorial or professoriate routes, that program was very important in giving me a target to shoot for. Because even though with a program like that, I knew that even though I did not have the, a career in academia, I knew that my PhD was not wasted because there is something else that I could do with a PhD that was not in academia. And so I, I met with some of the directors there. I actually helped offer some information for the grant that we received from the NIH. I did a two-year internship with the program. I led some uh, student, I led some student-led programs there. 
as part of the GPS Biomed program. And to this day, I still go back as an alumni to help out. I've mentored some of our current GPS, now called the GPS STEM program. And so, but that program really helped me find a community of scientists just like myself who were going through a similar challenge of or career challenge of trying to figure out what to do outside with a PhD outside of academia. And I still keep in touch with some of them to this day. And it's exciting to see where we've all landed outside of academia successfully just and I think a part of the reason why we're able to make it through is because we had that community. So I guess the the overall the overarching the biggest point that I want to communicate about that question is what got me through it? I found a community outside of academia that helped me that helped me make it through. Whether for me it was my church. For some people, I know some people that that community was their family. And for me, it was also my GPS Biomed community. And so how did you then make the transition out of academic science into field application science and, and get your first job? How did that, how did that happen? Well, you know, that there's an adage in career development called you network, you network, you network. My first job after getting my PhD, I was a flow cytometry customer trainer at a biotech company called Beckman Coulter. When I was finishing grad school, I was, as part of GPS Biomed, I networked and found, I, I was networked with a gentleman that had worked as a vice president of, I think, project management, something like that, at Beckman Coulter yesteryears, who was then working at a different biotech company, and he was given back as a mentor at GPS Biomed. And me and him, we had lunch one afternoon on at UCI campus, and I told him I was getting ready to finish. And he asked me, what is it that I wanted to do? I told him, I'm interested in a food application scientist job. He said, you know, I think you'd be great for it. Well, about a couple of hours later, I get a call. And he's like, hey, oh, he, I know we're talking about food application scientists, but there's a job that I want you to look into. It may not be something you've thought of, but it's a people-oriented job, but still leverages your science. It's a full cytometry customer trainer job at Beckman. If you're interested, I can put you in touch with the hiring manager. I took a look at it. I'll tell you this right now. I'll give you this little caveat. Beckman Coulter, at the time when I got the job, they had a 10-color flow cytometer. The most colors I had ever done on flow was two, maybe three. So I was definitely underqualified for this job. But I... My resume was sent to the hiring manager, and then I get an email from Beckman Coulter HR saying, hey, we received your resume. The hiring manager is interested. Can you fill out the application on our website? Did the interview? I, I, I don't even know. I, I had no idea what expectation was. 
But I do remember after my interview, um, one of the people that I interviewed was the current customer trainer at the time. And he had mentioned to me, look, from your experience, I can tell that you don't have the flow experience. But I want to recommend you for this job because at Beckman Coulter, we can teach anybody the science. But you have the right personality and the right ability to teach for this job. And so if you're willing to learn the science, I think that you'll be really good at it. So I just want you to know that I'm going to recommend you forward. And I was I was amazed by that because I did not expect that. I, I, I felt completely underqualified. But let's just say about a week later, I'm speaking with HR and we're discussing negotiate discussing and negotiating contracts and the terms of the job offer. And I remember being on vacation with my wife in on a cruise in Mexico and get a call that hey well, the job offer is yours so just go ahead and sign this form and get it back to us in a week and we'll figure out your start dates and that was my first job outside of academia not something that i was qualified for not something that i applied for just strictly networking and then from that job i was there for about a year and then a recruiter contacted me about an fas position that seemed very interesting. And at the time where I was and where things were going, it just seemed like a very good time to make that career transition. And so I made the jump over to the current company that I work for, Menorini Silicon Biosystems. And then shortly afterwards, I was there for about a year and a half before the hiring manager recommended that I transition to the business development manager role. and. Here I am. And so what happened at Beckman that made you even have your eyes open for uh, other possibilities? Or, I mean, how did that, how did that happen? Well, I'll say this, you know, uh, when you're working at a big company, and I think Beckman Culture is a global, Beckman Culture Life Sciences is a global, and they have a couple of thousands, I'd say close to maybe 20,000 employees all over the globe there's a there's a bit of a shock to the system so when i first joined the when i first joined the company i joined to have to manage their training lab in indianapolis indiana so i had relocated from california from irvine california to indianapolis indiana and subsequently afterwards our customer trainer that was based in Florida moved to a different company and it was put upon my shoulder to manage both Indianapolis and Miami, Florida. So often, you know, I was traveling between Indiana and Miami, Florida. And then at the same time, maybe not so much at the same time, a couple of months later, there were rumblings or words around the water cooler that that flow position, that flow trainer position in Indiana was going to be moved to Miami because Miami is the, is the flow cytometry headquarter. And I think um, 
As those rumblings got louder, the more I realized that I could not ignore it. And if some something like that was going to happen, I could not make that move to Miami after just taking the job in Indiana. So I, I decided that if I was going to leave this position, it was going to be on my terms. And so this was some of the things that made that FAS job offer or at least that made me open to a new job offer, to a new job opportunity. I will say this about my time at Beckman, though. It was a great time at Beckman. It was wonderful. The only, the only regret that I have about leaving Beckman was if I had understood, the, if I had had an understanding of the way industry worked, I would have leveraged the reputation and the experience that I had developed in that year at Beckman Coulter and try to identify new opportunities within Indianapolis that I could have made a lateral transition to. Because I think that Beckman Coulter is an excellent company to work for. But at the same time, I really enjoy my current job right now. So I think that in a way, it was a blessing in disguise to make that transition. I think what you've described is something which is not so uncommon in, in corporate world where things are very changeable and you may show up for a job and through no action of your own, things change and it gets relocated, like in your case, or you know, you know, managers change or you know, all sorts of stuff like that that it's kind of hard to anticipate. I'm curious how you dealt with that at the time kind of emotionally because i can imagine after you know moving your family out there and probably being excited about kind of a long-term stay at that job how that felt when you know it seemed like the your role changed a little bit and then even the job might have been moving to a different location one of the things that i learned in grad school is just being being flexible when I was when when I found out that you know I was going to be taken on this new lab, I had two options. I could either um, view it negatively or be flexible enough to adapt to it. And I did. I was I learned how to manage the two labs. I was very very good at it. I also looked at it as an opportunity to learn a new skill. You know, I think that that's the one thing that. That is the one biggest takeaway that I have learned from job transitions in industry. But even with just changes to the job in particular, I have learned that if you have the mental flexibility to to adapt to those changes, they will they will give you the opportunity to develop a resiliency and a strength that you never really know. So, for example, you know, I did enjoy teaching in Indianapolis, but one of the things that I that was good about being able to manage two different labs is I got to see a different side of the organization, you know. In addition to being down there in Miami, in addition to the flow part of the business, the diagnostic part of the business, there was a diagnostic branch of it. So learning a little bit about the diagnostic side, building a wider network outside of Indianapolis, it was actually, it was really cool because from that time in Miami, 
I was able to even interact with some of our international partners. And so part of the way I dealt with it was just being flexible. And even when things got hard, you know, just being, in, in my mind anyways, I always try to reframe things as, you know, I know this, this sucks right now, but is there a silver lining here somewhere? And focusing on the silver lining and letting that motivate me to, letting that motivate me to get through it. So that's, that for me is how I managed to deal with some of the rough parts of working in industry and job transition and changes in job responsibilities, things like that. If you could go back in time and tell your younger self something, what would that be? I would tell myself to just stay the course. Um, I think when people ask me, so uh, that question you asked me, one of the ways that people have phrased it is, if you could do anything different, what would you do different? And the answer is nothing. For example, grad school sucked for OHI. I can say that 100%. It was, I was miserable. I would not have changed that because grad school gave me the, it taught me and it showed me that I had the ability to persevere and endure and power through things. It toughened me and I needed that. Going through all the different responsibility changes and job changes and Beckman culture helped me understand that, you know, it's okay. You know, if things don't work out, it'll be okay if things don't work out. But it also taught me how to find what's important. Now, in my job, in my current company, are there things, are there reasons why I could have quit? Absolutely. I mean, in any company, there will always be reasons why we could leave the job. But learning from what I learned, learning from my experience at Beckman Coulter, I've also found reasons to stay. And I've actually found a lot of reasons to stay than to leave. And so if I had any advice for Ohi in the past, it would be, A, it may not feel like it right now, but you're doing the right thing. So when, whenever I feel like quitting, but there's that nagging voice in my core that says, oh, he just hang in there for just a little bit. It'll be okay. Listen to that little voice and just hang in there for a little bit because it'll be okay. And whenever I feel like, okay, well, let me just wait in here. But then there's that nagging voice, that, that little voice that says, you know, oh, he, I think it might be time for us to make that jump listen to that little voice and make that jump because oh he ha that little voice has very good instincts so anyways there's i would not change anything differently i think i have learned i have in looking back to everything that i've done all the experiences all the things that I, all the lessons that i learned they are invaluable to me and i would not give them up for anything Oh, yeah, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today and um, telling us about your background and your thoughts on science and your thoughts on life. I really appreciate it. Thank you. You're very welcome. Very welcome, Peter. And please, if there's any way that I could be of assistance, don't hesitate to reach out. I love doing things like this.